home. The one time a year I run is on Easter. One of these days I'll be using a walker to get down here. I was thinking about that first Easter where they ran to the tomb, they ran away from the tomb, everybody was running that day, there was just a lot of excitement. Last year this time, we weren't able to have in-person Easter services, so that makes this even more special. Also, yesterday, by the way, I told Brenda when we woke up yesterday, I said, you know what today is? And she couldn't remember. It wasn't any anniversary or anything with her. But yesterday, 27 years ago, April 3rd, 1994, is when we came to Villa Ridge. And it was on an Easter Sunday. So we came on Easter Sunday, April 3rd, 1994. So you guys have endured a lot. So anyway, we appreciate you guys. So we're continuing our series on Graves into Gardens. And a couple weeks ago, Brett did an outstanding job preaching about how God turns seas into highways. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. Last week, Brad preached on God turning bones into armies. And boy, I just appreciate these two guys. They do an incredible job. And so today, we're going to be talking about graves into gardens. And obviously, that fits in with the Easter theme real well. All right, I want to start with a puppy love story. How many of you love puppy love? All right, and how many of you know puppy love may not be real, but it's real to the puppy, all right? And so this is a great story that Paulette shared, Paulette Lewis back there. And maybe you saw this, but this dog, it was a stray dog, and five times it got into Dollar General, you know, as the doors automatically opened, it just shot in there. It went back to the stuffed animals and tried to carry this purple unicorn out five times. Five times they had to stop it, put it back. They finally called Animal Control, and when Animal Control came and they heard the story, the guy from Animal Control bought him the unicorn, all right? So just bought him the unicorn. And then they, the story went viral, and when it did, one day later, and they named this stray dog Sisu, and one day later, the dog was adopted with its best friend, the unicorn, all right? So anyway, just kind of a feel-good little love story there. And uh, today I want to talk about the ultimate love story. It's the real deal. It's a love story that began a long long time ago, from the foundation of the world. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You know, before God created anything, it was in the heart of God that one day He would come, take on an earth suit, that He would die on the cross, be buried, and rise again the third day. I just want to tell you today, the ultimate love story is the Easter story. It's a story, again, of God's love from the foundation of the world. That's why in Romans 8, or 5, 8, it says, God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I just want to tell you, Easter, again, is an incredible love story. And that Easter's good news of God's love, and the reason the good news is good news is because the bad news is bad news. 
And man had sinned, man had separated themselves from God because of sin. And we were kind of floating in that sea of sin, and we were heading to an eternity apart from God. But there wasn't any reason to get upset or to worry. Why? Because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Before Adam and Eve sinned, before mankind rebelled, God already had in his heart that he would come and die, be buried, and rise again. That's a love story that goes back from the foundation of the earth. Now, some of you maybe fear death. According to a survey in 2017, just over 20% of people have a fear of dying. How many of you have ever had a fear of dying? How many of you are afraid to raise your hand? I'm just going to raise my hand. That's, all, that's usually a good thing, just not to raise your hand. But anyway, I want to give you some really good news this morning. You don't have to fear death because you are going to die unless the Lord comes back. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto man once to die. And according to another survey that was taken, 10 out of 10 people are going to die. So you don't really have to fear it. It's going to happen, but again, as we understand the Easter story, as we understand his death, burial, and resurrection, it really gives us hope, and we understand that death is just a doorway into eternity. So it really is a celebration for the believer. This morning, we're going to take kind of a 30,000-foot view of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, all the Easter story, the, the actual Easter story itself, can be found in the four Gospels. But in 1 Corinthians 15, we have kind of the doctrinal importance of that Easter story. And so we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today, and it really is the event that changed everything. I mean, Easter, the story of God's love, literally was the story that changed everything for our eternity. And we're going to look at that this morning, all right? So let's read together. I'm going to have you read with me. And if you're watching by home, you can read as well. So would you join me? Let's read from 1 Corinthians 15, first couple verses. I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which you stand by which you also were saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And here is the good news. He said to the church this, You heard the gospel, you received the gospel, you're standing on the gospel, and this morning we are going to present that very same gospel, that good news, and you're going to hear it today, hopefully you will receive it today, and stand on that promise. And I believe that will give us faith and encouragement in life. And so here is the gospel. All right, join with me. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So here's the good news. How in the world could the Scriptures prophesy his death. I'll tell you how they can prophesy his death because it was in the heart of God before the foundation of the earth that he would do it. 
And so when he talks about the scriptures declaring the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ, I just want you to understand they didn't have the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament scripture. The Old Testament is full of prophecy about the life, death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And again, how could all those Old Testament prophets, how could they prophesy that? Because God knew from the foundation of the earth what would take place. And by the way, Josh McDowell in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, you know, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Over 300 prophecies. He fulfilled every single prophecy. And he said in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, the chances of anyone fulfilling even a handful of those would be like covering the state of Texas three feet high with silver dollars. And on one of those silver dollars, putting an X and mixing it in all those silver dollars, blindfolding somebody and letting them go into Texas and pick out one silver dollar and find that one with the X on it. I mean, virtually, it is unbelievably impossible to fulfill those scriptures. And yet Christ fulfilled all 325 or so prophecies about his life. How could he do that? Because God knew from the foundation of the earth, and that's why he could prophesy, because he knew the future, all right? The fact that Jesus died and was buried is proof that he is 100% man. The fact that he was willing to come, take on an earth suit and die and be buried, again, is 100% proof that he was fully man. And also the fact that he rose from the grave and conquered death is proof that he was 100% God. I mean, Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. The fact that he died and was buried shows us his humanity. The fact that he conquered the grave is proof that he is God. As a matter of fact, Romans 1 verse 4 says, it was with great power that he was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection. The resurrection declared him with power to be the Son of God. And again, how could he do that? Because from the foundation of the earth, he already decided, I love these people. I'm willing to come, take on an earth suit, to die for them so that they can live with me. And so first of all, I'll just go through a few things here. How can we believe in the resurrection? First of all, we know it was according to Scripture. His death, his burial, his resurrection was all according to Scripture. And again, I just want to remind you, he's talking about Old Testament Scripture that was full of those prophecies. Let me give you a couple examples. You remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? Jesus appeared to them, and they were kind of distraught. They were kind of down and out about everything that had happened, about Jesus being killed, being buried. And so they're kind of down and out. Jesus cups up on them and says, what are you guys uh, concerned about? And they didn't even realize, they didn't believe in the resurrected Lord. Notice what Jesus says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? He says, man, all the prophets talked about Easter. All of them had prophesied about his death, burial, and resurrection. And again, the Old Testament scripture is full of those prophecies. Even Jesus himself in Mark chapter 8 said this, 
Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. I mean, he plainly told the disciples, I'm going to go, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be buried. Three days later, I'm coming up out of that tomb. How much more clear could it be? And yet the reality is, none of the disciples believed in the resurrection. Isn't that crazy? I mean, we kind of pick on doubting Thomas, but the truth is, not one of the disciples believed until they saw the risen Christ. Not one of them. I mean, and so again, now I, I want to be honest with you, and I want to throw this out. You know, Jesus only appeared to believers after the resurrection. As far as we know, he did not appear to any unbelievers, but he appeared to believers. And every time he appeared to them, that's when they believed. Now let me tell you this, I'm just saying if I were God, it's a good thing I'm not God, but if I were God and I came back from the dead, I would go to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had just went through and put me through all those trials, all that persecution. I would appear to them and go, na, 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 na. Made it! But he didn't do that. That's how I would have done it. You remember on the a day of Pentecost when Peter was preaching, he again referred back to the Old Testament scripture when he talked about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He quotes from Psalm 16 when he says, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. As Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost, it would not surprise us that he preached the good news or the gospel, that Jesus died for our sins and was buried according to Scripture, and that he rose from the dead according to Scripture. And so here, Peter quotes from Psalm 16 as David was writing about that resurrection. And Peter goes on to say, David's not talking about himself because he's still in the grave. He was prophesying about the Christ, the Messiah, who would come up out of that grave. And that day, after they heard the gospel, about 3,000 folks got saved. I just want to give you some good news that God does have a plan, that good news for us. You remember the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and they preached in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. It was the resurrection that caused so much division with the Jews. Now the Sadducees, as, as you probably know, are a sect of the Jews who do not believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in an afterlife. Somebody said that was why they were sad, you see. They didn't believe in any afterlife. And so they were upset at one thing. What was it? Not that they were trying to get church members. They were upset that they were preaching the resurrection. I'm going to tell you the resurrection is the event that changed everything. I mean everything. And Paul's going to emphasize that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so it goes on in Acts chapter 4 to say this. With great power the apostles gave witness to what? to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. I'm telling you, the message of the resurrection literally was the message that was rocking the New Testament church. It was the thing that people were divided about, people were struggling with, but it gave the disciples so much hope. So not only did we have the witness of Scripture, but the eyewitnesses of those who saw Jesus. And again, as I mentioned, none of the disciples 
seemed to believe in the resurrection until they encountered the risen Christ. Once they encountered the risen Christ, then their lives were radically transformed, all right? And so he goes on here in 1 Corinthians 15 to say, Jesus was seen by Peter, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. And so Paul lists, not only do we have the evidence of Scripture, but we also have the evidence of eyewitnesses. And if I would ask you guys, how many of you believe George Washington existed? Well, we'd all raise our hand. Why? Because eyewitness accounts who witnessed and wrote down, they were there. And I'm just telling you, the evidence of the resurrection is incredible. As a matter of fact, Josh McDowell, who I mentioned earlier, he set out to prove the Bible wrong. He was going to prove that the resurrection could not happen. And in all of his research, he came to the conclusion that everything in the Bible seemed to weigh. The evidence weighed in favor of the resurrection, and he became a believer. That's pretty cool. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So for 40 days, he gave many infallible proofs that he had conquered the grave. Why would he do that for 40 days? He did not want the disciples to miss this event that changed everything, and that again is the resurrection. So Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 15 to make kind of a bold statement. He says if there was no resurrection, then literally everything else in life is in vain. Notice what he goes on to say here. If there's no resurrection of the dead, he says our preaching is empty. Your faith is in vain. You are still in your sin. The dead will perish forever, and we are of most men most miserable. And so he's saying here, the, the resurrection, I, I'm just being honest. As I think back over my life, a lot of times when I present the gospel, I present the fact that he died for our sins, and man, received that gift of forgiveness. But the full gospel is that he died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose from the grave according to Scripture. I want you to know the resurrection is the event that changed everything. It revealed the love of God and the heart of God like no other event in history. He goes on here to say the last enemy to be destroyed is death. I want to give you some good news. In heaven, we're not going to have death. It was forever conquered. I love how he says here, Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Because he conquered the grave, we too are going to be resurrected. I want to give you some crazy news this morning. Even though I've already said we're all going to die unless the Lord comes back, that's a part of living, the good news is you're going to live forever. I mean, you know, the Bible says when it, what we call death, when a person dies, literally their, their spirit just steps out of their earth suit. I mean, what we call death is just merely a transition into eternity. I love how the last verse of James 2 says, the body without the spirit is dead. And so I want to give you some good news, crazy news, that a hundred years from this morning, every one of us are going to be living. 
All of us are going to be in existence a hundred years. A thousand years from today, you're going to still be living. Now, we're either going to be living in the presence of God, which the Bible calls eternal life, or we're going to be forever separated from God. We're still going to be existing, which the Bible calls the second death or eternal death. But we're going to exist forever. That's why the resurrection is so vital that we understand that we have hope on the other side. All right? So he goes on. As we think again about death, we often see death as an end of life. And I can't tell you how many caskets I've sat over at the cemetery but death is more like a doorway into eternity. What we say is death is, again, really just the spirit stepping out of the earth suit. And if we could think of death as a doorway into eternity, it would change everything. That's why the Bible says that we're not to sorrow as those who have no hope. I think we still sorrow because we miss our loved one, but we're not to sorrow because we know that they're in a better place because of the resurrection. He goes on here to say we're going to have a future spiritual body. He says our earth suit is going to be sown in corruption, but it's going to be raised in incorruption. And by the way, probably 99.9% .9 of the time that I do a graveside service, I'm quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The body is sown in corruption, it's going to be raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, going to be raised in glory. It's sown in natural body, and it's going to be raised a spiritual body. I, I just, a light came on this year, 42 years of ministry, I had a light come on this week. How many of you think that's a good thing? All right. And so here's the light. God loved us so much that he was willing to come down to earth and take on an earth suit. Can you imagine eternal God who loved us so much that he was willing to leave his home in glory, come down to this earth, take on an earth suit, to die for our sins on the cross, be buried and rise again so that you and I could die and be resurrected and take on a God suit. I've never used that term until last night, but one day we're going to trade these earth suits into a God suit. Yeah, those of you that are not clapping, you love your earth suit, don't you? You love it. And man, I'm envious of people who love their earth suit. But the older I get, the more worn out this earth suit gets. Now again, I think we're to take care of it, but you know, we, the Bible says the earth suit came from dust. We're returning to dust, right? I mean, this earth suit is wearing out, but your spirit is eternal. So he says, man, because people in the church at Corinth weren't sure about the resurrection. So he says here, some in the church ask, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? How many of you have ever wondered what our God suit's going to look like? What is that spirit body going to look like? And although the Bible isn't 100% clear, it gives us a lot of indication of how glorious that new body is going to be. He takes an acorn here, and I'll tell you what surprises me. I'm a city boy. I am not country. I didn't even do much gardening up in the city. But it's amazing to me that if you plant a pumpkin seed, what comes out? This isn't a trick question. You can ask anybody around you. If you plant a pumpkin seed... Out comes pumpkins. If you plant an acorn, out comes an acorn tree, somebody said. Yeah, that's right, an oak tree, all right? I want to tell you, whatever is planted, 
I mean, any country, anybody that gardens will understand 100% of the time when you plant an acorn, out's going to come an oak tree. 100%. You're never going to plant a pumpkin seed and get an apple tree. Never. Because what goes in, that same life comes out, but greater. But the seed has to die. The seed has to be disintegrated. The seed has to die in the ground. But out comes this ginormous, same life kind of thing is that seed. Listen to what he says, foolish ones, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. But if it dies, out will come this unbelievable plant, tree. And so he's trying to tell them, the body you see being lowered in the grave is nothing like that body that's going to come out. Man, I'm going to sow a Roger one day. And out of that grave, when Christ comes back, he's going to raise up a glorious Roger. He's going to give me a God suit. I'm going to be like him. I want to tell you this. You'll never be put in the grave and come up like Gary Presley. Only Gary, who's sown in the ground, will come up a, an unbelievable Gary. He says, you're lucky. You're lucky. <laughs> Can you imagine that acorn going down? Out comes this oak tree. Can I tell you one word we're going to have in heaven? When you see me in heaven, you're gonna, what, what word you're going to say? Wow. I knew him before he got planted in the ground. He wasn't much. He wasn't much. No amens right now, okay? But I want to tell you, we're going to look around heaven. I'm going to look at old David Tripp over there and go, man, I, I had no idea God could do that out of that. I mean, I had no idea. Don't laugh. I'm going to say the same about you. You're going to say it about me. But doesn't that get you kind of excited? So even though we don't know exactly, Paul's saying that seed that goes in the ground, what comes out is the same life, only greater. There's no way you could explain how a little acorn going in the ground could produce an oak tree. No way could you explain that. I've never realized before. I always knew God came down and took on an earth suit. But this week, for the first time in studying this, I realized he loved us so much. He loved us so much, he was willing to come down and take on an earth suit to identify with us so that he could die, be buried, and rise again so that we could be buried and come up and get a, a God suit. Whew. How many of you are looking forward to heaven? Whew. It's going to be good stuff. John even says, he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, but we know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. John, even John, the apostle John, who was close to Jesus, says it doesn't really totally, we can't totally comprehend it, but we know this, we're going to be like him. You're going to get a God suit. You're going to be so much more magnificent. It's just no way to explain, again, that seed going in to what comes out on the other side, I think we're going to be blown away. I just want to go around and see everybody in heaven and see what God did with you.
1 Corinthians 15, 49, this verse over here on the bottom, I just threw it in there. But at every cemetery, almost every cemetery, I read this, and it's right in that verse. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we have all have an earth suit like Adam. He says we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. I've read that for years. And this week it just dawned on me, we're going to get a God suit. I guarantee you this, in heaven we're never going to say, I wish I could go back to my earth suit. That's why the resurrection, that first Easter, was the event that changed everything. Because we were forever doomed to be separated from God. But his love for us, he had a tremendous plan for our life. And he ends the chapter on kind of a high note. He kind of gets excited as he's going through the chapter. He says, we will all be changed. Death will be swallowed up in victory. He says, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends the chapter with this verse right here. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So he's encouraging them, man, work for the Lord. Man, we are going to die. We are going to be resurrected. 1 Corinthians 15, the greatest chapter in the Bible on the doctrinal importance of Easter on the importance of that empty tomb and Christ conquering death and the grave. So here's the conclusion. Our future resurrection is 100% guaranteed. I want to say it again. Your future resurrection is 100% guaranteed. Now, I'll guarantee you this. If, if Christ doesn't come back, one day gravity's going to get us. One day we're all going to, what we call death, our spirit's going to step out of our earth suit. But one day, and this is a picture of, of Jefferson Barracks, one day everybody that's in those graves is going to come up. They're going to take on an eternal suit, either a God suit are an eternal suit that will allow them to be separated from God forever and suffer throughout all eternity. Notice what Jesus says in John chapter 5. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. He said everybody's going to come up. Now, what he doesn't say here is, if we study Revelation, between the resurrection of those who are believers and those who are unbelievers, there's about a thousand-year period. And I just want to go ahead and tell you guys, you want to get resurrected on the first one. That's the good one. That's the ones where you get to go to heaven. If you're not sure, say, God, take me on the first resurrection. Just remember that. You want to go on the first resurrection. Where will you spend an eternity? You know, everybody here, one day will die. One day we're going to be resurrected. I, I couldn't ask you a more important question. Where will you spend eternity? I can't imagine anyone understanding the Easter story. I can't imagine anybody hearing the good news of Christ dying for our sin, being buried and rising again, conquering grave and the death, because we too are going to be resurrected. Who would ever, ever hear that and walk away saying, I'm going to take my chances another way? Nobody would ever walk away from that. 
Lee Strobel said this the case, uh, in his book, The Case for Christ. Every single shred of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is also evidence for my eventual resurrection. Josh McDowell, who I mentioned earlier, a Christian apologist, said, after more than 700 hours of studying this subject, the resurrection, and thoroughly investigating its foundation, I've come to the conclusion the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever forced on the minds of men, or it's the most fantastic fact of history. That's why it's the event that changed everything. Now I'm using for resurrection a yellow smiley balloon. I just I think that I think that says resurrection. For all the believers, Jesus said in John 11, he was he was speaking to Martha. He said, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies." One day, next time you go to a cemetery, I just want you to look out over those graves and know one day all those those bodies are coming up. It might look something like this. You want to be one of those? The others will come up a thousand years later to stand before God's judgment. But every single earth suit will come up. Every single earth suit. So here's the kind of conclusion. God took on an earth suit to be like us so that we could take on a God suit and be like him. That's the love of God. That's the Easter story that God loved us so much that he would rather die than to live without us. His plan was that one day we could literally exchange an earth suit for a God suit. That is incredible that he loved us that much. You know, there's a song about the love of God, and Mercy Me does it. I know other people have done it. And I just want you to think for a minute about the love of God. And what that love of God means. And the song says something like this. If we could with ink the ocean fill. I just want you to imagine that all the oceans on the face of the earth are filled with ink. The song goes on to say, and were the skies of parchment made. So all the seas are ink, all the skies are parchment. The song goes on to say, were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade. How do we express the love of God? Remember in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, as Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, he's encouraging them to know the height, the depth, the width, the length. He says to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. I want to tell you the Easter story is the event that changed everything. It's the ultimate expression of God's love for us. How in the world could we write? How could we really comprehend the love of God? And then the song goes on to say this. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. I want you to imagine every man who has ever lived just writing in the sky the love of God. I want you just to take a minute and just realize how much God loves you. Again, Romans 5.8 said God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. 
God loved you so much that he would rather die than to have heaven without you. And you just imagine being able to write on the parchment of the sky the love of God. I just want you to feel God just reach down and just remind you how special you are to him. And as the song says, there's really no way we can really comprehend that incredible love. That's why Paul said, to know the love of Christ, it passes all knowledge. So the gospel is that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, but that he also rose from the dead that third day. And so... My last slide is this one. Jesus loved us. He died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again. And so he rose again the third day according to Scripture, and God really does turn graves into gardens. How many of you noticed the casket up here today? All right, good, that's good. If you didn't notice the casket, you really have some... You need to sit closer, all right? You need to sit closer, all right? The first time I used a, a casket on an Easter service, and I, I'm, not all, I'm not altogether good mentally sometimes, but I got a casket, and uh, the, the Sunday I was using the casket up at Fairview, the first time I ever used a casket on Easter, which it seems, why would you use a, caster on, a casket on Easter? Because there is no resurrection without death. That's why we have the empty tomb. Resurrection, 100% of the time, talks about the physical body. Your soul and spirit are never going to be resurrected because they never die. Resurrection always speaks of the body. So before we can celebrate resurrection, we have to acknowledge one day we're going to die. And so the first time I used a, a casket back at Fairview, I was baptizing on that Easter Sunday. So I was back in the back uh, getting ready for baptism. So I wasn't out front. And so when everybody came in and saw the casket, you know what they thought? Roger's going to come up out of that casket. I know he is. But I wasn't. I wasn't. But what I did do on that first time I used it, I put a mirror where the pillow is. I put a mirror up here where the pillow is. And at the end of the service, I had everybody file by, and I said, when you come and look inside of this casket, you're going to see somebody who's going to live forever. And when they looked in, they saw their own face. Now, I'm not doing that today. All right, you guys aren't going to come by. And by the way, I just want to give a shout-out to Oldman's Funeral Home. They were kind enough to let me borrow a casket. That's kind of a weird request, I found out. Nobody else was asking to borrow a casket. I was, I was the only one. I was first one in line, last one. And so... I'm not going to, I, I want to give you this. This is the last thing I want to give you before, you before you go. One day, one day. You know, last night after the service, I had a lady come to me, and she said, you know, this weekend I was going to decorate some of my family tombs. You know what I'm going to put on each one? One of those. 
Hey, if you're having Easter, why not get, it, get one, put it at, at the middle of your table? Everybody will ask, why do you have a smiley balloon? Because it reminds us of life. I told Brenda, when I, if I go before she does, which is most likely, but if I go before she does, I don't, want, I don't want any flowers. No flowers! But give me a bouquet of those balloons, would you? They're only a dollar at the dollar store. Dollar. There's not much. And I want you guys at the cemetery, those of you who are there, I want you to just let them go. And it would, it would be kind of cool if you all stand by different tombstones and just let them go. I hope Easter's never the same. Because that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, it really is the event that changed everything. Without the resurrection, we are literally hopeless. I want to pray a simple prayer. And I'm just going to ask everybody to pray it. I cannot think how sad it would be if one person in this room were not there on the other side because you were trusting in something other than Jesus. It's not about being a Baptist. It's not about being a particular denomination. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I just want to tell you today, God could not love you more, nor could he love you less. But he loved you so much. And when we see God in heaven, it's no wonder the Bible says we all fall on our face and we cast our crowns before the throne. When we see holy God and to think that holy God loved us so much that he was willing to leave that Shekinah glory and come down to this earth and take on an earth suit and to die on the cross, be buried and rise again, I think we're going to be blown away at the love of God. There's a song, and I know we're, can we play that uh, video? I've actually got the song, The Love of God. I just want you to experience how much God loves you. And then we're going to have a moment of invitation, and then we're, we're going to be done. So if the video's up and going, I want you to celebrate God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen. Can never tell It goes beyond The highest star And reaches to The lowest hell The guilty pair Bowed down with care God gave His Son To Parchment made
Let's all quote together John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to pray just a simple prayer, and maybe you're here today, or maybe you're watching by way of live stream, and you just feel a tug in your heart, and you just realize today how much God loves you. You realize the good news of the gospel, again, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again according to Scripture so that you and I could spend an eternity with him. So I want to pray a simple prayer, and if you're here today and you're not 100% sure that if you were to step into eternity today, that God would welcome you into his kingdom. I just want you to pray this prayer. And I'm going to ask all of us, if we will, can you all just kind of repeat it after me? But if you're here today and maybe for the first time in your life, you're saying this for the very first time and just giving your heart and life to Jesus. I just want to encourage you. It's the greatest decision that you can ever make. So let's pray together. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me from the foundation of the world. Thank you for loving me and taking on an earth suit and dying on the cross for my sin. I thank you that you not only died for my sin, but you were buried and rose again according to Scripture. I ask you to forgive me and to come into my heart and life. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I remember as a 13-year-old and I prayed a similar prayer. One of the hardest things in the world was to come down. But I'm not going to ask you guys to come forward. But I am going to ask you this. There's something about saying that publicly that just really does just really confirms that in your heart. If you've said that prayer for the first time today and you really meant business, I'm just going to ask you to stand right where you are. You don't have to come forward, but just stand right where you are. Anybody here that prayed that prayer for the very first time? Well, I'm hoping that's good news. I didn't see anybody stand, so I'm hoping you all know that you know that you know Jesus. And I know you got Easter plans. You may want to stop by the dollar store, get a balloon. Take it with you. Share it. Love you guys. Hope you have the best Easter ever. And realize how much God loves you. We're going to have a word of prayer and close with a song. Let me pray. Do we have a closing song? Okay, I didn't, I didn't hope you weren't asleep over there. <laughs> Again, I appreciate the praise team being here for all three. I, I was actually going to just let the balloon go up to the ceiling. If I could cut a hole in the ceiling, I'd let it go all the way out. But Ron Heimer was up here today. He said, we, ought, we probably ought to tie it on, then you can pull it back down. My thought was, if it went to the ceiling, that our two custodians, Tom and Don, they'd probably bring a pellet gun here and, and shoot it down. <laughs> How many of you know guys like to hunt, man? We're, you get a country boy, they can get that down, all right? Anyway, so I, I was good. I went with Ron's advice. 
Let me just pray for you guys and then again, I hope Easter is so special to you this year. If you get a chance, go by the dollar store. Those are only a dollar. Put one on your table as a centerpiece. It'll get some conversation. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here tonight. God, just reach down, just love on them. It's just so incredible. We can't even wrap our mind around your love for us. But I pray that Easter would never be the same. I pray that as we drive out to the cemetery and as we're burying our loved ones, I pray we'll have a little bit of a smile on our face when we remember the Easter story and that one day that body's going to come up out of that grave. Father, fill us with your spirit. I pray that your love would spill out of our life and just touch everybody we come in contact with this week. In Jesus' name.